Hey, everybody. I'm Jamin, host of the Happy Market Research Podcast, which you're listening to. Our guest today is Michael Brereton, executive in residence at the Department of Marketing at Michigan State University. Before joining the MSMUR's program as the executive in residence, Michael served for 27 years at Merit's CX, 11 of which were as the president and CEO. Merit's is a customer experience company rebranded as InMoment. Michael started his career on the client side at General Motors. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Ah, it's great to be here, Jamie, as always. The Michigan State University's Master of Science in Marketing Research Program delivers the number one ranked insights and analytics degree in three formats, full-time on campus, full-time online, and part-time online. New for 2022, if you can't commit to their full degree program, simply begin with one of their three core certifications, Insights Design or Insights Analysis. In addition to the certification, all the courses you complete will build towards your graduation. If you're looking to achieve your full potential, check out MSNMU's program at broad.msu.edu slash marketing. Again, broad.msu.edu slash marketing. HubUX is a research operations platform for private panel management, qualitative automation, including video audition questions, and surveys. For a limited time, user seats are free. If you'd like to learn more or create your own account, visit hubux.com. So this is part of our series of introduction into market research. This will be one of the chapters in an upcoming book that I'm co-collaborating on with people like yourself, the Market Research Field Guide. Today, we're going to be talking about customer satisfaction, specifically as a discipline inside of market research. What do you see in a modern context as the primary business questions that customer satisfaction is addressing? Well, I think where we are evolving to that is, I would use the word integration. So it's still capturing the voice of the customer to understand their experience with a product or service, but then how integrating that with other aspects of the business in terms of... Right, kind of across the user journey. Exactly. And that to me is kind of where we're at now. It's still kind of starting. So who inside of the organization initiates, we need to do a customer satisfaction study? Well, it's interesting because it's usually owned on the operations side Uh and then administered through the insects department. Yeah. Right. Which is very different than a, than a lot of others. But I've almost always found the budget sits in the channel management area. Yep. Um, um, and they're the ones that are saying we need to bring the voice of the customer into understanding our operations so we can have a fact based way of continuous improvement. So you and you mentioned that the feedback loop, right, which whether it's Eric Rice or uh, Reese, I always forget how to say his last name, but these innovators who have kind of like framed out the build, measure, learn framework, mm-hmm. which is very much informed by customer satisfaction. So if you're a software company or a car company or whatever, you build something and then you test something and then you learn from that and then you iterate and then you do it again, right? And so, um, and that's that's what we're really talking about, about the CX or customer experience 
loop is we want to refine or, or improve that customer experience along the entire journey so that ultimately, and I liked how you, how you said it, saboteurs or terrorists, right? So, mm-hmm. because that's what happens with customers in to your brand in the event that they have a bad customer experience and the megaphone is becoming larger every year with respect to social media and the ability of them being able to connect bad experiences or good experiences to the brand. So is there a specific business question or is it more holistic as is part of the operations of a well-run business where customer satisfaction is just like built in as part of the rigor, right? And is it more like, I guess I put it like legal and HR, right? So it's just part of parcel of the business or, or is it actually like have, is there an inception moment uh, in the organization where like, oh my gosh, we really need to launch this study. Oh, I think nowadays it's more the latter. And I think in the beginning, it was more to the former where you're so sort of legal. Right. Like now more in terms of what you were talking about there in terms of the feedback, both on the aggregate as well as the individual customer level, people are saying is, is we have an opportunity here to truly understand what's driving performance or like you were saying with the terrorists, what's driving dissatisfaction understand it at the aggregate level so we can tweak our operations this way and this way and that way, but also understanding it, and here's where we cross over to CRM, at the individual customer so we can get in and mitigate a negative situation now. And that's where you have things like triggers that are built into surveys, right? And this has been around forever, but I mean, really popularized in the last 12-ish years, where you can have somebody do a CX survey of a customer, they have an experience and then they get a survey invitation. They take the survey and if it's a bad experience or they report a bad experience, then in line with the survey, you can say, would you like someone to follow up with you? Right? So immediately now you have this opportunity to create a resolution on that bad experience, which of course then means that it needs to be tethered to the the CRM. It's interesting how we are seeing kind of the lines of research and sales Mm -hmm. and marketing blur. So, you know, we're really becoming more of a function of the revenue generator of the business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point there to us also is, is with that information now, of course, with the application of AI, we can go in and uh, discover so many things just based upon what's being captured in an automated way, start responding and mitigating and routing and so forth far less expensive and a far faster way. Yeah. From my vantage point, some of the best run businesses have very clear delineated user journeys and they're able to measure CX at each one of those journeys. And by doing that, then they get to your feedback loop, right? So there's opportunity, there's these micro loops that are happening in between each stage of the customer experience. And that's where the improvement happens at a micro level. But then, as you know, the outcome is at a macro level, there's a big lift to brand and customer retention and growth. Um, Let's move into the next question. What are some common analytic techniques that are used for customer satisfaction? Well, I think in general, compared to other types of research, I think the analytic techniques are comparatively simple. If you look at the standard reports, there's a lot of kind of your basic significant testing and so forth. But I found that there's one unique analytic application that I think has stood the test of time, the decades here, and it's around driver's analysis. And I think that's worth noting. 
again, not real events using multiple regression or bivariate correlations, but creating a derived importance measure as opposed to a stated importance measure that you, you would see on, on so many services because there's really two reasons for doing it. One is you can cut out a whole battery of questions. You can just go with performance measurement and then correlate that against some sort of dependent measures. And so it shortens your instrument, but also found over time coming up with the derived importance as opposed to state importance. The derived importance gave us what we found were more differentiated understanding of, of the business or things to act on. So a lot of times with stated importance, uh, what you're hearing are people telling you kind of what's, what's the cost of entry stuff, the greens fees kind of things, hygienic factors, whatever you want to call that. But basically it's things that if the business does better at, they're not going to necessarily satisfy more. There's only downside with not doing it. Whereas with the derived importance, uh, we're able to identify things that the company does better at it. They indeed do get better outcomes in terms of satisfaction, intent to repurchase, and, and, and so forth. And so this became kind of a standard analytic tool back in the 80s. And I see companies still using this over and over and over again, because what they'll do is create a quadrant analysis. So plot each attribute being measured by its derived importance versus by the actual performance, derived importance versus performance on, on a quadrant analysis. And it's a real easy to understand tool that's perceived to be very actionable to put in the hands of all those hotel properties, dealers, restaurant locations, or whatever. Because remember, most of the, the effort, most of the money being spent in customer experience measurement is being pushed out to the individual retailer. That's where most of the money is being spent in these programs. It's not some aggregate number at the top. And so you need real simple tools because it's not going out to researchers. And so I just yeah. find it it's really interesting that this tool that we created in the 80s is still kind of a standard <laughs> offering. And there's not much else in a lot of those reports that's going out to the individual uh, reporting units besides something like that. There's usually, they typically want some sort of a benchmarking. And uh, so that's, that's very important, but it's got to be very actionable. So pretty simple reporting from an analytic perspective. Again, compared to brand studies or product development studies. Yeah, it's interesting that the analytics really maps very nice. It's become part of the SOP or standard operating procedure for all businesses. Everyone needs to understand what a quadrant map is. Mm -hmm. right? And that really is a primary analytics technique that then can be distributed across the organization. And everyone can understand that, whether you're a cashier or whatever, yep. right? Or CEO. And that yep. could be a, is, a, in fact, a very effective communication tool. Thinking about operations. So... What are some common research operations that need to be taken into consideration when doing customer satisfaction, keeping in mind that you've already touched on a couple, but maybe we can just briefly highlight those? Yeah, well, the big thing is, is and, and why not every agency is a big player in this is because it's, first of all, it's large volume. It tends not to be a sampling of a company's customer base. It's census. It's a lot of volume in terms of company. It's a lot of volume in terms of uh, reporting, tends to be B2C. There is some B2B, but tends to be B2C. Census, this whole multinodal 
um, reporting. And a lot of times reporting is the things that if you were to go talk to the big agencies in the space and say, what's your biggest operational pain point? They would probably say hierarchical reporting because if it's, I'll go back to my automotive example, but this dealer is in this region, which is in this zone, which is in this territory or whatever. And those things change every day. They're moving to one of those thousands of dealers around or buy, sell or, or whatever going on. And the manufacturer will say, yeah, and so I, I want you to show it how it was yesterday, but with the new alignment, I want you to show it how it's today too with this new. And this hierarchical report sounds easy, but it just brings, from a technology perspective, brings companies to its knees. And so a lot of the operational things today are volume scope of reporting and the techno uh, technology around that. Um, the other thing from a research operations perspective is, as we go back, talk about integration again, is now more and more companies are wanting to integrate any voice of the customer contact. This this idea of ongoing dialogue relationship with a, a customer. And so if you think about all the different touch points, well, a customer's calling into a uh, you know, customer care center, they're perhaps out there on social media talking about their experience, they're filling out a survey, and an operational challenge is that a customer or a company will say, I want to integrate all that voice. And it's extremely hard to do. How do you combine all that in a report in, in terms of uh, at, a, at an individual customer level or a group of customers level? And so that's um, sort of a unique, I think, operational challenge. The last one I would say is I would call sort of linkage. And it's sort of a design and sort of an operations issue. But we're always trying to link customer and our experience of, of customer satisfaction to the broader, broader brand experience. Uh, there's a lot of work being done to link customer experience measurement to emotion. There's a lot of work being done to link it to reputation management of a company. So data linking, right? That's one of the big exactly commonalities of, yeah, that, that makes sense. I want to be sensitive to time here and we have about five more questions to get through. So I'm going to jump into the next part. Do you have a specific or favorite case study? Yeah, when I saw that, I did is, and yes, I do. One would be McDonald's, and this is kind of different in that because I, it goes back to my graduate work in the '80s when I did a customer satisfaction measurement program for McDonald's, and it was really like I was talking about before, is trying to understand that stated importance or derived importance, and what we found is, is that we're not going to get any more points with the customer for having. A clean bathroom. There's only downside. If it's not clean, you're you're in trouble. You're not going to get any more points for getting the order right. That's what they expect. And if you don't do it right, then it's then you're out of the game. But there were other attributes when you measure satisfaction for which, if you did it better, you got greater satisfaction and greater intent to come back. Like friendliness, like the time at which, like the time to fill the order, the time to take the order, and so forth. So to me, it was really interesting all the way back then to what you were saying earlier, but the person on the cash register is 
being able to bring this down to a language and concepts that they could understand and why. So we were able to do that. And then what I watched, we also at the time tried to implement and roll out a standardized way of measuring customer satisfaction in McDonald's restaurants. And we were trying to do it through intercepts and standing Mm -hmm. in the drive-through lanes and so forth. And as you can imagine, it was extremely challenging to try to roll that out. And for those that don't know, intercepts are where you will actually have a, usually a human being that will intercept the customer or connect with the customer as they're actually going through the process of purchasing or getting their fulfillment of whatever they purchased. Yeah, in this case, not trying not to get run over and uh, in <laughs> raining and so forth. But anyways, now, years later, as I've been watching McDonald's over the years, and they have tried so many different methods to try to, in a standardized way across the whole network, capture the voice of the customer and act on it, I'm seeing so many different things like kiosks and QR codes and offering incentives and so forth. And I haven't seen anything that's really stuck over time, but I think it's really interesting that even though they still may not have a common approach, I still see signs of the attempt. I think Mm -hmm. they still had that understanding, that religion of the need for customer satisfaction. And it's just a a tough, tough execution. So how much would a company, if you if you were working at a brand mm-hmm. um, and currently customer satisfaction is not being done and you want to roll it out, obviously it sounds like you're probably on the operation side, maybe even on the growth operation side. How much would you expect to spend a year on that study? Thinking, I know that that's a really weird question because it, it has everything to do with scope, but you know, broadly speaking, what do you think the allocated budget would need to be in year one? Yeah, I was looking at that. I looked at it from two ways. One is, I know big banks and big hotels and big manufacturer or car companies like that, they're spending mm, three, four, five million a year on a base program for the U.S. market. Another way to look at it is, you know, we always say your research budget is about 10% of your ad budget. Mm-hmm. And probably about half of that would be on post-transaction, this type of thing. Got it. So that would be two ways I'd look at it. Okay, that's great. How long does it take for a project to be executed? And I realize this is usually longitudinal in nature, so it's like forever ongoing. But you know, what is the frequency of data reporting? Well, the frequency of data reporting now is real-time. Right. And so from a timing like you said, tend to be continuous programs, three to six months to set one up for a medium-sized, large company, and just continuous real-time feedback after that. Because the industry has largely gone now to platforms as opposed to kind of the way when I started off, it was a bespoke kind of custom design program. Right Now it's, it's configured platforms on a subscription basis. And I think most of them say, give us three to six months to put it up. And then you just get continuous feedback. When they do that, when they, when they set it up, is it about 20% of that contract is ongoing like managed services or is, is there usually, so there's, it's a combination of technology and services, right? Yeah. And most of them companies now want to make that services very small. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about software, the subscription, 
So that's where the vast, vast majority of the cost is. And again, a lot of these companies are tech-based companies or evolved out of the tech space, or they want to be seen as a tech company to drive their valuations and, and multiples. And one of the things that investors are looking for is subscription base and lots of logos and lots of retention and most of the revenue tied to that subscription, relatively little tied to services. Matter of fact, one of the predominant models in terms of delivering now that's going is is, is a large company will bring in like a, a Medallia or um, a Qualtrics as the platform, as the, as, as the customer experience platform, and buy that on a subscription basis. And then bring in another company like Accenture or something to actually put it up. That's interesting. So you've got the technology provider and then you have a separate entity who's the basically the services side of that. Exactly. You know, you mentioned two companies thinking about DIY solutions. So if a brand is scrappy and they want to try and do it themselves, these are probably like small to medium sized brands. Are there any DIY solutions that you're aware of? It's a relatively easy space for a company to break into. And so if you went out and just did a search right now, you would probably find 40 or, or 50 DIY platforms in the customer experience space. And probably none of those would have the word research in them anywhere. Hmm. And so, yeah, and those are largely just DIY. You want to get into more of a DIY and do it with me uh, or do it for you kind of model. Then there are fewer. Obviously, the two that I mentioned there uh, in terms of Qualtrics and, and Medallia are the two largest that are in that space. And they can go anywhere from DIY to do it for you. And the, mm. the other thing that's interesting, too, though, for me is, is that if you look at who's selling into this space, the big data platform companies like Oracle and Salesforce kind of show up on the radar. You think, well, that's, sure. well why is that? But because they supply to a company that broad data enterprise management backbone and they sort of hang off of that modules for finance and modules for hr modules for whatever and oh yes there's a voc module there is a customer experience measurement management module that's hanging off that and i think the market data indicates that more and more companies are buying it that way. And so their vendor shows up as Salesforce, or shows up as Oracle. Right. And there may be a sub-brand under that, or maybe Salesforce's own homegrown customer experience management or measurement solution. But I think that's a wave uh, that you're going to see continue to increase. Who are the go-to partners? So these would be agencies that companies are using. I see the big consulting names mm. show up. Like I mentioned Accenture, and uh, like uh, KPMG, like uh, McKinsey shows up and so forth. So one of the services that they're, they're offering is to really put up the instance in this platform. Do you see market research agencies thinking about the top three? Are they playing in this space heavily? Yes, to still, if say, for instance, if you looked at the suppliers for customer experience, uh, Ipsos and Kantar are still out there. Now, it's interesting when you peel back what's going on there 
a lot of times what you will see is the sale to the client is Ipsos and they have partnered with Medallia or they partnered with Qualtrics and they actually um, co-present the solution. The other thing that's interesting is there's a frenemy thing going on there because you know maybe Ipsos is going in partnering with Medallia and the Medallia is going in straight and then Medallia also is going in with somebody else. Right. It's a very much in flux kind of kind of situation right now in terms of channel. Our guest today has been Michael Brereton, the executive in research for the Department of Marketing at Michigan State University. Michael, thank you very much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast. You're very welcome. Everyone else, I hope you found a ton of value in this like I did. I love the historical framework and context that was set and then moving this straight through our framework to give you a one-on-one or brief overview of what customer satisfaction is what business problems it addresses, how to do it, and outcomes, and who you might want to use if you are planning on launching your own customer satisfaction. So, Michael, thank you. Everyone else, I hope you have a great rest of your day.